and 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 to demonstrate uh, the power of the Holy Spirit to to, to change a life. Now I, I have heard guys give testimony, people give testimony, and I thought, are, are they glorying in the, in 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 their past? Well, that that's that's not that's not the the, the point here. Just um, <clears throat> when I was born. I was sharing with one of the guys just a while ago. I, I'm very grateful. I was born in March 52, and I'm very grateful that there were no um, MRIs in those days. Um, uh, people did perform abortions, uh, but they weren't that common. Because I'm convinced that, that had it been 20 years later, I'm, I probably wouldn't be around. Um, I had always, ever since I can remember, uh, I'd always felt kind of out of place, like I didn't belong. Uh, I turned six in uh, on March 1st. About a month and a half later, my sister was born, my younger sister, uh, whom I love and treasure, and we, we get along swell. But after that, what I what I fancied in my mind became an absolute reality. Shortly after my sister was born, my mother explained to me, we wanted your older brother, we wanted your little sister. We were stuck with you. And that, that's how I was raised. I, uh, I, I, there, there was no discipline in our house. I, people, kids were not disciplined. Uh, I was punished a lot. So what's the difference? Well, you discipline with the idea of uh, because you're concerned about the person and, and you want growth. You punish because you're hacked off. And uh, neither my brother nor my sister was punished or disciplined for anything. I, I, I got <laughs> and I, I laughed because because of the goodness of God and His grace. Uh, I'll share a couple of things just to give you an idea. And I, and I hope it's not patently offensive, uh, but just an idea. And things of this nature happened almost on a daily basis. I remember I couldn't count the number of times, say, uh, my mother would, would go into a rage. I, I was a normal kid. I did things wrong. And she would go into a rage and fly at me with her fists and uh, on a regular basis cram a, a, a can of pepper down my throat when I was growing up. Uh, I don't know how many times I, I was forced, as a little boy, to sit on the restroom on the bathroom floor and watch my dad use the facilities. Uh, some of the things were, were more silly. Uh, we lived in a, a, an upper middle class area just outside of Detroit, and about the and all the families in our area were about the same age: parents, kids, and about the time that all the parents were buying their boys bikes. Well, my my parents to keep up appearances, bought me a bike, a girl's bike. Now, there was no reason for that. And uh, well, I didn't ride it for the longest time, but finally I got desperate. And I, I rode that thing, too. He had a lot of ridicule. Guy, guys enjoyed it. But uh, I, I hung in there, thanks to uh, some teachers from school who were an encouragement. And when I graduated high school in the spring of 1970, I was gone. I, I moved uh, 
eight or nine hundred miles away. Uh, I I had gotten involved with a, a youth group via our our high school, and I started going to a Bible preaching church the year that I graduated. So when I moved, uh, I found a church. Uh, my roommate, a fellow named Ed Martell from Chickabee, Massachusetts, invited me to his church. Now, Ed had no idea that I had planned my suicide. Uh, I tried different things in the past. Well, I had an idea this time. Uh, the HERS building in downtown Springfield, Missouri, on the square, was tall enough and there was access to the roof uh, via this little funny looking little room type thing up there and uh, I figured all it would take would be one step and I went well this is great I uh, I made some plans lived it up for a few days and and uh, that weekend they had invited me to their church I went uh, found a lot of human acceptance I still wasn't I still wasn't born again found a uh, a Sunday school teacher who for some reason loved me he and his wife and they cared about me now I I was really mature I I'm I'm supposing that emotionally I probably stopped growing at at about age six and that's he dealt with he dealt with he was dealing with an 18 year old six-year-old and uh, and there were times, you know, you, you look at a kid, at a guy that age, well, well, you ought to be an adult. And and I wasn't. And and he, and he on one hand, he loved me, and on the other hand, he would chew the daylights out of me. And, and well, he's so angry. And, and uh, but, but there still there was his love, and I was hang on, hanging on to this, because whether we like it or not, anger, even with somebody we love, anger doesn't, doesn't give the idea of love. Anger gives the idea of hatred. I mean, God's angry with our sins because He hates our sins. Well, I, 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 I stuck with them, Dave and Grace. I stuck with them until uh, they they left. He uh, he took a he took a, a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, later on, I moved there, and uh, now one thing I hadn't shared. And, and this is hard. It's one thing to put it on paper and let somebody else read it. But one of the things happened to me when I was a kid. Uh, my older brother. He, he he sensed the fact that I would have done anything for male approval, anything. And uh, I met his sexual needs for. A good number of years before he graduated high school and went off to college. So, uh, by the time I graduated high school, I not only felt totally worthless, which had been drilled into my head for years, I was homosexual as well. And uh, when I finally got saved in October '72, nobody had to tell me that was wrong. Uh, Nobody talked about it. The world didn't talk about it. The church didn't talk about it. But I knew it was wrong. But I, I couldn't get out. And uh, I, I tried. Oh, I tried. 
but my, my flesh couldn't do it. Uh, a few years later, in, in, at our church in Tulsa, I, I came across a book written by Don Baker. He's a he was a Southern Baptist pastor up in uh, Portland, Oregon, when he wrote a book called uh, I believe it was called Rejection, and the subtitle was The Church, Homosexuality, and Hope. And in it, he gives the testimony of a man at his church. And I thought, well, this is great. If this guy can 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 get his freedom, so can I. Well, the, the only thing is, it involves sharing this stuff with other people, or, or at least one other person. And uh, that was hard. I, I found there was a guy in our church who was, who was known for, for loving and caring others, as, and uh, went to him, and, and, and he agreed that we would follow the things that they did in this book. And, and uh, in, in short order, I was, I was having the time of my life. Now, I was married had three kids and, and, and let me let me say this since I had been married I had I had never acted out with another guy but but my 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 desires hadn't changed and uh, brother Troy didn't didn't bother him to, to, to love me and to care about me and and uh, but the, after after the first two weeks I was driving home. I, I was the janitor at our church, janitor and custodian, and and I was driving home uh, after church one Sunday night. We'd been working together for about two weeks on on my on that issue, and and all of a sudden I started crying. I don't know what happened. I just I was crying my heart out, and I thought, I thought well, Lord, I can't show up like this. I can't, can't come in the house like this. You know, my wife and kids need me to be strong to be strong, and so. Uh, I worked up some courage and got, came to the front door, and, and my wife immediately said, "Well, we're in trouble with Kevin, and he's gone. We don't know where he is." I, I said, "I'll go look for him." I was lying. <laughs> I went back to the church. I, I mean, I couldn't have helped Kevin the way I was. And uh, I went in the building, found a place to pray. Couldn't pray. Tried and couldn't. Tried and couldn't. And uh, finally, I went over to Brother Troy's office. And. Uh, at the time I didn't know what I was doing I, I was looking for something I, I knew he wasn't there and uh, I needed something or I thought I needed something to to remind me of Brother Troy and I I got down on his on the on his chair and I buried my face in the cushion of his chair and I, I just cried and I started crying out Daddy, Daddy only I wasn't thinking about God I wasn't thinking about the fellow I was born to the face I was seeing was Brother Troy's, and uh, I, I was going through withdrawals, and uh, I just just like a guy withdraws from cigarettes or booze or cocaine, I was going through withdrawals, and uh, and after that night, things got a lot easier. I saw him again Tuesday, and Tuesday he said, "Rick, I'll always be here for you," and and to it. To a 48-year-old, six-year-old, that meant a lot. And uh, and the next several months, as I developed a relationship with with this man who became an earthly father to me, all of a sudden, my relationship with my heavenly father started making sense. And uh, but at our, at our church, the guys are are, are tough, and, and they're leaders. Whatever that is, <laughs> and uh, 
and Brother Troy helped for about for about uh, four and a half months, and finally he said, Brother Rick, he said, we can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't help with this anymore. You're on your own. And because uh, because our guys don't do that, they're, they're they're tough and they're 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 macho, and they just don't do what Brother Troy was doing with me. And, and uh, I lasted about another two months. It was up and down, up and down. Uh, prayed and cried and prayed and tried and lasted for a few weeks here and a few weeks there. And uh, then I made a major tactical error. We were having a, a, just a small group prayer meeting, and uh, just whoever wanted to pray prayed, and, and, I, and I prayed, and, and and I forgot the other guys were there. And I said, I said, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you need to do to me so that you can do something through me. That, that's what I want. I, I don't care what you do. And uh, we got up, and one of the other fellows, Mike, said, uh, said gosh, Rick, I, I don't think I could pray that way. And I said, Mike, you're not desperate. And uh, I, I went to different seminars. I went to uh, Every Man's Battle Workshop. Uh, it's put on by the New Life Ministries. And uh, it, it was good. They all had a lot of good things. But everything they did was designed to strengthen the flesh, the, the, to, to serve the Lord, to get out of your hole, to, to, to quote, get your freedom. But that, that's, and of course, I didn't know them, but that's not how the Lord operates. I, uh, I've been to a number of times to celebrate recovery. That, uh, it's a, it's a, an outfit out of Rick Warren's church. The, uh, um, Celebrate Recovery is the evangelical equivalent of Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, now Baptists have something called uh, Reformers Unanimous, and but all three programs are designed to strengthen the flesh. Well, my flesh wasn't strong. My flesh was very weak, and. Uh, but there was always in the back of my mind the fact that for several months, five or six years ago now, I, I was free. It was about a half a year. I was free. I was totally free. And I, I'll never forget the joy and, and, and the relationship that my wife and I had in those days. Nothing compared with it. And the kids, were they were grown because Dad was grown. And... Uh, yeah, I had got in, into the into the uh, the habit of the practice of I had to be at work at seven. I'd get up at four thirty, shower and shave, sitting in my 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 chair in the living room at five. And uh, I I will never forget. I was in Jeremiah uh, that first week of October. And when I sat down, I turned not to Jeremiah where I had that little blank ribbon, you know, where you, that you mark your place. I didn't turn there. The Holy Spirit made me turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Now, a friend had, had given me several books on, I hate to use this expression because it used to have a bad connotation, the fatherhood of God, but not, not the universal type of thing that they used to talk about, but the fact that he is my father and your father and your father and your father. And uh, I, I'd been learning little by little about and and then the last book he gave me was uh, one by Jack Taylor on, on our identification with Christ so so I sat down and for some reason didn't turn to Jeremiah turned to Ephesians chapter 1 according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love 
having predestinated us on the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, wherein he hath made us accepted in the blood. And all of a sudden, a scripture that I had read a million times in the past started making sense. He decided, according to verse 4, that eons ago, that whoever was in Christ, he was going to view them as perfect. Verse 5 says we're adopted. Verse 6 says we're unconditionally accepted. Not, not approved sometimes. He's not an indulgent father, but accepted regardless. And all that... that my, 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 my prayer time went into overtime. Uh, and I, then I realized it was getting late and I had to be on the work. So I, my, my devotional time continued on my half-hour drive to work all day long at work that day, the next day, the next day. I, uh, I, uh, I would stay up till 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning studying and then get back up at 4.30 and study some more. I wanted to spend some time with my, my Abba Father, my Heavenly Daddy. And uh, I, I was looking at that list of, of things that people get when, when self is in control. Well, I was just the opposite. It started the first of October. About halfway through December, I had this, this stabbing pain where, where it felt like, if, if you can imagine taking a nice pick and sticking it underneath your right shoulder blade and it comes out the front. And, uh, and I knew what it was. Because several years earlier, when I, had, I, had just, I was about to throw in the towel and everything, I developed what they called shingles. And I knew what that pain meant. I was about, about to come develop a full-fledged case of shingles. Well, I knew why that happened years ago, a few years ago. But I, and I said, Lord, what's going on? Everything's going great. You know, I, I'm walking with you, and, and you're having your way in my life. Why? What's, what's going on? And I went to our family doctor, and I meant to ask the doctor, and I, and I didn't think. I just, I just told him the symptoms, and he, he agreed that I was getting the shingles, and he gave me a prescription. Well, I had got my sense back together, and when I got to the pharmacist, I asked her, why? I'm not under any stress. Life is fantastic. She said, tell me what's been going on in your life the past couple of months. And I shared it with her. And she said, there are two types of stress. Bad stress and good stress. You're under a lot of good stress. And when I left, I thought, okay, Lord, if this is going to be a necessary part of what's going on, fine. I, I, I don't want to lose this new walk. And uh, I remember after the first few weeks thinking, well, how long is this going to last? Because I had turned over a new leaf a zillion times in the past. How long is this going to last? And then, then I remembered, Dr. Solomon was teaching this guy stuff. Grace Fellowship. Oh, wow. They're not in Colorado anymore. What's going on? And uh, and I finally I got a phone number, and I called Grace Fellowship International. And I don't remember what day of week it was, but there shouldn't have been anybody in the office. But the Lord knew ahead of time what I needed, and uh, this man answered the phone. And uh, I had a zillion questions over the past two years, particularly the first year. Uh, everything was so new to me, and they, the uh, Grace Fellowship, 
through Brother John provided a lot of material for me to to read and to, and to grow thereby. But my my life, because you guys don't know me, but the Holy Spirit does, and I do. And my life is a testimony to the fact that it, it doesn't matter where you've been. That we have a, a loving, kind Abba Father who cares about each and every one of us, who all he wants is I'll say all he wants is everything. <laughs> but uh, that's not much because he gave everything for us. And uh, the, the life, the way life has been since then, I, I remember trying to explain this stuff to one of our deacons. And uh, I, 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 my testimony, I had it written out, and I, and I, and I showed it to, to Brother Wayne. and. And he said, uh, well, well, Brother Rick, that's good. He said, you, you, you went this way for so long, and, and then you were finally able to get your act together. And, and I said, no, no, Wayne. I, I still am not capable of getting my act together. I said, anything that's good in my life that's happened to me isn't because of me. I said, Wayne, it, it's not me to forgive, say, forgive Brother Frank. Frank at one time had said, I said, well, Rick, what you do around here is not real important to me. He said, you're not worth very much, and you'd be easy to replace. And uh, and at the time that he said that, I felt the same way about it that he did, and I didn't have any answers for him. And, uh, and this is one of those miracles, that the, one of a zillion miracles the Lord's worked for me the past two years. And, and I think I shared this with you, brother, one time. We had gone on a church-sponsored couples retreat in uh, Eureka Springs, Arkansas. And uh, on the way out of town, we decided to stop by some little Italian restaurant. And the waitress seated us. And lo and behold, she seats us next to the table where Frank is sitting with his wife and his son, and his daughter and son-in-law. So we chatted, ate. And while we were waiting for our, uh, our, our ticket, well... Finally, I asked for a ticket, I, sh- I should say. And the waitress said, well, it's been paid for. And I said, well, who paid for it? And she nodded at Frank. Now, now Frank, now I'll admit, he was an equal opportunity jerk. He, he, it wasn't just me. Anybody that would take it, he's, you, you can sense those things. And anybody that would, 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 would take the nonsense, he, 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 lay, he would lay it on him. And uh, so we thanked them and talked for a few minutes, and we left. And wives are like this. They're sweet and wonderful, and you can't get along without them. But sometimes, if, if they can get in a jab, they will, and my wife is no exception. And, and as we left, she, said, uh, she started to say something about the fact that the rocky relationship that, that Frank and I had had over the years. And I cut her off. I said, well, well the neat thing about this is this morning, during my quiet time, I had finally been able to forgive Brother Frank. End of, end of discussion. And and like I said, I, we we could go over dozens of things. I I went on. A, I had a three day quiet time a couple years ago. Maybe two years ago this this spring. A three day quiet time where I, I just felt like I I just had to get, be alone with the Lord for a few days. I let my wife know where I was going to be, gave her telephone number, and I disappeared for three days. And uh, one morning, about 2 o'clock, 
I was going to go home that afternoon, but about 2 o'clock in the morning I woke up. And, and my spirit was really concerned about my daughter. At the time, she was probably 11. And she wasn't a big sin, you know, she wasn't in the sin big or anything, but it was, my spirit was, was burdened for her. I prayed for a while. Uh, got no relief. I started to pack. I was going to go home see what was wrong. Before I got out the door, the Holy Spirit said, everything's okay. And when I say that, you know, he doesn't speak in an audible voice, but you know when he's dealing with you. And I, uh, I said, okay. Went back to sleep. Found out the next day that, that for some reason she had woke up with horrible stomach pains at 2 o'clock that morning. The time when the Holy Spirit had woke me up and said, pray for her. Well, something simple, yeah. But you, you stay open to whatever he wants. And, uh, and I could go on and on and on, but I can't. And but just learning to abide in Christ. It just, I, I don't know, I don't have a word for it. I just, you know, like the song says, there's a peace in my heart that the world never gave. A peace it cannot take away Though the trials of life may surround like a cloud I have a peace that has come there to stay And uh, that's it, that's what that's, this life's all about, the exchange life Just, And uh, But I, I can go on for another hour, you, you better take this